Maybe not every business should have a website. That was the premise behind a LinkedIn post a few weeks ago from somebody you should probably know better. And yet I wasn't sure if the author was seriously suggesting it or if it was just one of those sort of sly wink posts designed to drive comments and engagement in a prove me wrong kind of post to get people worked up and, and goose the algorithm. And I suspect it is the latter because the author is someone who I follow specifically because they're a respected expert on SEO and they typically post very informative content. So when I first saw the post, it, it did annoy me a little bit, but I just wrote a comment and moved on. A couple of days later, though, my friend Tim Peter came across that same original post, and, and it seemed to really get his goat. And Tim is one of those people who I'll listen to probably more than I'll listen to my own opinion. He knows what he's talking about. And Tim wrote his own post, effectively responding to this idea that not every business should have a website. And I'll put a link to his post in the show notes. And Tim may well cover this on his own show. It's called Thinks Out Loud, which I hope you already subscribed to. If not, take a minute now to go and find it and follow Tim and then come back to the marketing mix where we're going to be talking about the need for a good website. Welcome to the marketing mix where I talk to the smartest people I know in the world of business to business marketing and sales. We find out what makes these folks tick, how they stay ahead of the curve and what trends they're keeping an eye on right now. I'm your host, Steve Cummins. I've built and run marketing teams at a number of tech companies, from Fortune 500 to fast-growth startups. And I found one of the best places to learn is from talking to people who are out there getting stuff done, people who are in the mix. Maybe not every business should have a website. I think one reason this subject caught my attention is I've just spent a fair amount of time building my own website for Solon Strategy with a little help from my friends. And so it's still fresh. And I'll get into that process later in the podcast. But first, let me expand on that initial LinkedIn post and what I think was really behind it. Uh, and then I'll also dig into how a small business should think about and approach building their own website. So, so here was the opening part of the post. Unpopular opinion. Not every business needs a website. All right, fair enough. People only skim social posts. So you got to have a, a good hook in the first line. I would also say anything that starts on popular opinion is absolutely just trying to get attention. But then it goes on to say, if visiting a website isn't part of a buyer's journey, having a website could actually hurt a sale if it's done wrong. Now, first of all, I find it hard to think of a business where visiting the website isn't part of the buying process these days, even for quick, low-risk purchase decisions, you know, like going to a local coffee shop, getting an oil change. There's a good number of people who will check out the business on their phone before they walk through the door. So that one seems like a bit of a red herring, which then leaves us with the part about hurting a sale if it's done wrong. Now that I get, if you have a website that looks dated, it looks amateurish, it has the wrong information on it, that really could have a negative impact. I was looking for a, for a plumber a few weeks back, somebody had been recommended to me. I went to their website and I got an error message that uh, something to do with the website owner had not paid their subscription fee. So that does have a negative impact. But the answer then isn't that you shouldn't have a website. It's that you should invest just a bit of time or money in having a decent website. Now, the reason for having a website is different depending on your type of business, the size of your company and, and the people you're trying to reach. 
for an e-commerce business, it's obviously about bringing people in, getting them to the checkout page. That's a subject all of its own, and I won't talk about that here. But let's assume you're a B2B company selling a product or service either offline or through a third party. And in that case, there's a few reasons you want to have a website or, or a few things that you want to achieve via your website. If you have a new product, a new idea, or a very technical product, the website is a great place for education. Explain to people how it works, the problem it solves, why somebody needs it. Some companies are more about staking their claim in the industry and showing their understanding of it and showing that they understand the problems that their customers face. So they will might likely use their website for thought leadership, things like blog articles, videos, webinars, to show that they know more about this than anyone else in their space. So this is very much a content marketing type approach. For others, and I think in most cases, you're going to be looking at location and logistics. Uh, how do you buy it? Where, where do you buy it through a partner? How do you get started with a product? Who do you call for help, right? So, so a very sort of help first approach. And then the one that applies to every business that I can think of, and is the reason I think every company should have at least a simple website, is credibility. When someone Googles your company name, they expect to see a professional online presence, a virtual storefront, if you will, that gives them a level of comfort that you are a reputable company. Now, think about the other things that will come up when they search for your company. They'll see your competitor websites, maybe some review sites, almost certainly social media profiles. So some will ask, well, why don't I just invest in social media platforms? I know how to do social media. It's relatively easy. That's where my customers are anyway. If I have a killer Instagram feed or if I'm really active on LinkedIn, doesn't that provide the same level of credibility? Well, yeah, kind of, but there's a couple of problems with it. First, unless you're very lucky, your customers will be active on multiple social media platforms. So it can become time consuming to be active and consistently active on, let's say, Facebook and Reddit and TikTok. That actually requires more resource over the long run than building a simple website. But more importantly, you're at the mercy of that platform, of that algorithm and their reputation. Let's say you have a solid following on Instagram, you post regularly and you get good engagement, but then overnight they tweak the algorithm to favor a different type of content and your traffic suddenly plummets. You realize that you don't own that audience, you never did, you're just borrowing it from the platform. Or let's say hypothetically, a billionaire buys a particular platform, does some crazy things and its reputation tanks. There goes your primary outlet. Whereas the website is something that you own, that you control. Tim Peter often talks about the hub and spoke model where the website is the hub of everything that you do and your sales and marketing activities drive everything back to that center. And it makes sense because it's something that you own. So that's where you want your customers to be. You don't want them to be on a platform that you have no control over. So let's assume I've sold you on the need to have your own website. What are some things that you need to consider? Well, firstly, what are you trying to achieve? If, if it's purely from a credibility standpoint, you, know, you want people to know you exist and that you're a legitimate business, then a single page website may be all you need. Something that has a description of your business, a few photos of your products or maybe your team members and contact details. If you're trying to educate your customers because you have a 
technical product or a new type of solution, then you're likely going to need multiple pages on your website, multiple sections to focus on specific applications or use cases and to educate different types of customers or people who are at different points in their buying journey. If thought leadership is what you're about, then that can also be more complicated because you'll you'll need additional pages to house that content. Probably a, a blog page, somewhere to host videos, uh, maybe webinars that you've been running and so on. If your product offering itself is complicated, if you have a lot of part numbers, a lot of different types of products, uh, maybe you need a product selector or comparison tools or how-to videos to, to make it clear which serial number, which part number, which version of your product the customer needs. And for larger companies, you may find that you need all of these things, so it can get quite complicated quite quickly. The good news is there are different approaches depending on the complexity of it. For that single page credibility site, you can use some simple programs like Wix or Squarespace. Um, They're easy to set up. They have fairly intuitive templates and page builders. And more importantly, they're easy to update as your business changes to avoid that fate of having a website that, that gets out of date fairly quickly. If you're lucky, you have someone on your team who's willing to roll up their sleeves and and work out how to do this themselves. Uh, But if not, there's plenty of freelancers you can work with who can get this done for a relatively low cost. As your needs get more complicated, the next level is to create a website using something called WordPress, which is an open source website builder, which just has a ton of flexibility and capability. There are supposedly more than 800 million websites that are built on WordPress, which is over 40% of all sites worldwide. Um, And pretty much anything you want to do with a website can be done with WordPress using the WordPress application itself and then a whole host of plugins and other services that can be added to it. One big advantage is it's so popular that there are a lot of people who know how to work with it. If you have marketers on your team already, there's a good chance one of them will have some experience with it. And if not, there's plenty of good agencies and freelancers out there who can help you. And it also means that even if you choose to use an agency to build it, you're not locked into that agency with maintenance plans and, and helping update and all of that good stuff. So my own experience, when I launched my own consulting business, I started with a simple website that I built myself. I used an app called card.co and it had templates to use, a lot of customization options, and it was good enough to get started. So it was good enough, but as a marketing consultant, a good enough website really isn't good enough. So the next step was to build a site with a better, more professional design and a bit more depth and capability. And so WordPress was the solution for that. I had a pretty good idea of how I wanted it to look, what information I wanted to include, what capabilities. So I was able to to sketch it out myself. Uh, And then I worked with two freelancers to turn it into a real website. First, a graphic designer um, to lay it out, make it look good. And then a WordPress developer to, to take that design and turn it into a working website. Now, I have some experience in this. I've built many company websites in my corporate career. So the freelance route worked for me, but it's also more involved and time-consuming and you need a a certain level of knowledge to be able to do that. For most business owners, I'd recommend finding an agency that can help you with all the steps. So deciding on the purpose of the website and what you want it to be able to do, uh, 
creating the design and then building the actual site. Uh, I'll give you a word of warning though. Pricing on building websites can vary wildly. I, I remember one project I worked on a few years ago. I wrote a spec that I provided to a number of companies and the quotes ranged from $10,000 to almost $60,000 for the same spec. So making that decision as to which agency work which can get quite involved, but I'll give you a couple of pointers. First off, look for an agency that specializes in websites. If they eat and breathe websites, they'll be more efficient. They'll know how to lead you through the, the project. Whereas a design agency that happens to do websites will spend more time and money on the design phase. If an agency tells you they're going to start with a mood board, it's time to look for another agency. Chances are um, you do not need that level of design development to come up with a, with a useful website. Um, the other thing to look out for, if you're not using, if you if you don't have an expectation for a complex website with a ton of features, chances are WordPress is is all you need. So if somebody starts talking to you about a custom program solution, that's probably overcomplicated as well. Um, there's a ton that goes into this. I've worked with a couple of small web companies who I'd be happy to recommend. So just reach out if you're interested. So there we go. A Simple LinkedIn post led me to a whole discussion on website design. Uh, reality is I've only scratched the surface. I, I really haven't talked about how to do it. I've just talked about some of the things you can consider as you get into it. Uh, we did go into much more detail on another episode when I talked with Ian Lowe a few months ago. Ian builds websites specifically for B2B manufacturers, so gets into a lot of the, the complexities. So if you found this episode interesting, I suggest you check it out and I'll put a, a link in the notes. Also, since I'm not interviewing anybody today, I don't get to ask them about their drink of choice. So regular listeners will know part of the marketing mix is, hey, what, what drink do you want to have while we're talking about marketing? Um, so let me give you my own recommendation this week. So I just came back from a few days in Kentucky, which included a fair amount of bourbon tasting. Now, where I come from, Whiskey really means Scotch whiskey. So, I, so I'm not a big bourbon drinker, um, but, you know, when in Rome. So one tasting experience uh, really caught my attention. We were at the Stitzler Weller Distillery, which is the home of Pappy Van Winkle, if you're into bourbon. Um, and, so, and we tasted bourbon with various types of chocolate, and it was eye-opening to see how chocolate changes the taste of bourbon, or maybe vice versa. So the difference between Dark and milk chocolate with the same bourbon was actually pretty eye-opening. So uh, grab some, some bourbon and some chocolate bars and give it a try. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Mix. I hope you found the conversation interesting, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Mix. If you have suggestions or would like to be a guest on the show, visit our website at themarketingmixpodcast.com. In my consulting practice, I help founder-led companies and small businesses punch above their weight, providing the marketing strategy and know-how needed to take your company to the next level. More details are at solentstrategies.com. See you next time on The Marketing Mix.